0: praise the lord all right turn with me in your bibles if you would please uh to the book of mark chapter 11 and uh, i just i uh, <clears throat> felt in my heart to just uh, talk a little bit um talk a little bit about uh the people's response to healing and and what their what their role is because you got to understand that or you won't work for you the same way And so I just want to share, talk a little bit along those lines. And so we see here in the book of Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11 and verse 22, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you that whatsoever things, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and the Greek means believe that you receive them at the time you pray, and you shall have them. Now, Mark 11:24 is the prayer of faith. So, if you hear people referring to the prayer of faith, it's one of the kinds of prayers. One of the nine kinds of prayers that Dad Hagen taught the body of Christ. Uh, When you hear people talk about the prayer of faith, this really is one of the main scripture references that we use for the prayer of faith. Okay, Because the prayer of faith is, is literally and very simply, it's not a complicated thing to understand. The prayer of faith is when you find something, a promise in God's word, and you're saying, Father, I'm laying hold of that promise because you've promised it to me and therefore it's mine. So I claim it in Jesus' name. Now, you don't have to say the word claim, but I'll show you in a second that the word claim is actually in the Greek definition of the prayer of faith. Just give me a second. So, Dad Hagen, Jesus said to Dad Hagen, claim what you need. Right. What's he saying? He's saying, pray the prayer of faith. Yes. Right? right? So, he, so, I like that word claim because you'll see in a second that it's actually a Greek reference to it in terms of the prayer of faith. But uh, what we're doing is we're saying, Father, prayer of faith is so simple. You're saying, Father, your word says X now because i'm reading your word and i and i've got revelation into that word faith has come into my heart because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the revealed word so this word has been revealed to me upon this subject matter now because your word says it i have revelation into what your word says therefore i have faith in what your word says i'm praying the prayer of faith because i believe what your word says and i'm taking this promise and i'm taking it for myself or I'm claiming it for myself or I'm receiving it for myself. You can, doesn't matter what word you use But I'm taking that promise and I'm taking it I'm believing that I'm receiving this in faith because your word promised it to me I don't matter what I see or feel in fact I know i'm not going to feel anything probably and i'm certainly not going to see anything right now yet But i'm taking it. I'm pro- you've got this you promised me in the realm of the spirit. This is mine So i'm taking it in jesus name. It's mine. That is the prayer of faith. It's not complicated that's the prayer of faith I, I believe I received. That's why it says here, whatsoever things you desire. Notice it didn't say what you need. Amen. That includes what you need, right. but it also means what you desire. Yes. Amen. And you better be careful about what you're desiring. You better get God's approval on some of the things. Listen, yeah. listen, I'm just being honest with you. Because a lot of people desire things that are outside their measure of faith. Yeah. And then they, and then, or things that would be detrimental. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're not sinful things, but yeah. they're things that are not going to help them. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. Uh, Like, for example, that man that desired a speedboat in Dr. Dufresne's church. Now, if he had been smart, maybe, I'm not saying God didn't want him to have the speedboat, but if he had been smart and realized where he was in his consecration walk, he may not have desired that at that time. Because by desiring it, and then by God honoring his prayer of faith and giving it to him, he wasn't ready for that kind of responsibility, because what it was that pulled him away from church. He stopped coming. Dr. Dufresne warned him and said, God didn't bless you with that speedboat so that you'd go, but I have to take my daughter, uh, what do you call it? J- well, not jet sk- water skiing. I have to take her water skiing in, in the San Diego Bay on Sunday mornings because that's the time that I like to do it because it's quiet. He said, God didn't bless you with that boat so that you could take her and miss church all the time. But that, no, but don't, don't put legalism on me. God understands my heart. Every time you hear people say that, it should be a red flag. God understands Martin. It's got nothing to do with your heart. It's to do with your actions. Your heart might be right, but your actions could be wrong. So he said, just be careful because you've got something that you asked God for and he blessed you, but you're not ready for that blessing because you're letting it pull you away from your your consecrated lifestyle and putting God first. He didn't listen. He refused to listen. He got arrogant and, and rebellious against his pastor, left the church as a result of that. And it took a little bit of time because when you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. But when the seed goes in, you don't see the harvest a week later. It takes months in the natural just with seed, you know, with physical seed. So in the realm of the spirit, it can take months or years. It doesn't correspond to a natural harvest realm. You could sow spiritual seeds and it'd take years to show up. But it took some time. I don't remember how long, but it was some time. It was at least a year or two of him doing that, left the church, got offended. And then all of a sudden, I hate, but that, that rebellion and, and that not submitting, even though he desired something, he got his answer to a prayer. It opened the door to the devil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he, he didn't treat the local church right. The right. Bible says if you don't treat, you don't discern the body of Christ, you're going to be weak, sick, and die prematurely. It's a guarantee. You, you can claim what you want. You can make all your confessions. If you don't treat the local church right, you're going to have these three things over a period of time. I promise you, you'll have them. I've seen it happen too many times to doubt it. And that man didn't listen. And within a year or two, whatever it was, there was an accident. He ran over his daughter and the propeller blade cut her head open, sliced her head right open, took the top of her head right off. She died. Now, people can say, oh, that was accident. That was coincidence. That was this. That was that. You believe what you want to believe. But I'm telling you, when you get, a, when you get away from what you know to do and you get into rebellion, the devil's looking for a chance to kill you. He is looking for a chance now he can't if you walk in the spirit and if you're walking in in love and if you're obeying God You're almost invisible to me. It's like he can't he can't access you remember Jesus. He has no place in me If you're a spiritual man, he's got no place in you But if you're not a spiritual man, he'll find a place It's like you've got handles your flesh are handles Dr. Dufresne would call some certain people slippery pigs now have you ever tried to pick up a slippery pig because I have if you if you got those pigs covered in that all, they'd do these games on the farms and you try to grab that pig and that pig is out of your hand before you can because they're slippery and they're pigs. And Dr. Dufresne would always say, A lot of Christians are slippery pigs. You try you try it and they're gone. You try and they're gone. <laughs> So uh, it's important that we, uh, we're not slippery pigs and that when God corners us and when, 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 when instruction comes to us, that we're not Teflon boy Amen. and Teflon girl, where nothing sticks to us. We won't take responsibility or anything. We blame everybody else, but we say, okay, Father, I want to be right. I want to be clean. I want to be honorable. I'm not walking in fear, but I understand that there are many. The, the, the Bible says that there, the, the, there's many devices, but we're not ignorant of his devices. He's trying. He's he's looking for a place to come in, but we're not ignorant of those devices. So I say all that to say, be careful what you pray that even you desire, because certain desires are not always going to be good for you. But if you pray and ask God in the prayer of faith, he will answer you, because the prayer of faith works, and it says whatever you desire. But be careful what you desire, and make sure that that desire is in your measure of faith to not just receive it, but to maintain it. Right? Right? A lot of people want a big house, but they can't afford the maintenance on that house. So you have to be, think about those kind of things. And, and and is the desire, whether it's a house or a boat or whatever the fancy thing is that you want, is it going to pull you away from the plan of God? you got to ask yourself that. Because if you're going to, and there's nothing wrong with buying a house outside the city. I know with all the house things now, it seems that people are buying far further away because it's too expensive to buy in the GTA, it seems anymore. And that's not a problem just to be led by the Spirit. Because if the Lord leads you to it, He's not going to lead you to do something that's going to hurt your spiritual life or to uproot you from where He planted you. So so sometimes God does lead people to get a house that's a bit of a drive because he's just prompting them to make the sacrifice to drive but then their flesh it wasn't that they missed god in buying the house or it could be that they missed god in buying the house. so you gotta you gotta know but assuming that they were led right now they're just their flesh will get in the way so they desired something they got what they desired like the guy with the boat but their flesh gets in the way and now they don't they don't honor god they don't do what he says you understand what i'm saying so I won't say what, but there's something that I've desired for quite some, some, some years. And, uh, and, and last year I was sitting here, it's three times already now, two in the church building and one at home, but the Lord came to me. He, I didn't go to him. He came to me and, and he said once, uh, Taylor was doing an offering for something. I don't remember what it was, but uh, you know, maybe I should have Taylor do the offering more because God spoke to me something really great while he did the offering. So you know, maybe I'll make that like a little shrine or something. Every time he does it, I'll expect to hear from God. I don't know. But, but he said it once when he was, and then another time when my wife was speaking, another time when I was home, when he came to me, I didn't go to him. He already knows what I want. That's right. yeah. But I have enough sense to know not don't bring it up with God right now because I'm not sure that I'm ready for the responsibility of that. Do you understand? You've got to be sober about these things. You really do. It's not just about like, like John Osteen, you say, you just can't have everything your beady little eyes look at. That's what he would say. You can't have everything your beady little eyes look at. So my beady little eyes were a looking, but I waited for many years. And I said, now, Lord, and he came to me and he said, I'm telling you, he came to me. I didn't go to him. It's wonderful when he comes to you, then you don't have to feel bad. Then you don't have to feel guilty. Then you know that he's giving you authorization. He's telling you, you are ready. And he said, if you want to believe me for that, you go ahead uh, because I, I don't mind you having it. And then I didn't think about it for six months. And then he came a second time to me and he said, I just want to tell you again, if you want to believe me for that, you can have it because I know you're ready for it. And then a third time on the third time, I said, well, Lord, out of the mouth or two or three, you've said it three times to me. Now, I know I have your authorization. Now, what that means is you've authorized me to believe for something I desire, but it's not just, I can believe for anything I desire, but now I know that it's safe. It's not going to pull me away from the plan it's within my measure of faith. I can acquire and maintain it. Do you understand? And so sometimes just before you what you want, you need to think through some of these things. That's a little bit of a bunny trail, but anyway, that's good. That's good teaching for people. Otherwise, we can get very, not greedy, that's not the right word, but we can, get just, we can just try to take stuff without really being sober about what it is that we're asking God for. But the Bible says, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, now believe that you receive it. What, what does that mean? You're receiving it. You're claiming it. You're taking it. You're saying, I see it in the word, it's a promise to me, and I receive it now by faith. Not because I see it or feel it, but by faith I take it. By faith I claim it. By faith I receive it. What does faith mean? It means believe. So when it says believe you receive, that's really saying take by faith. You could, you could cross the word believe you receive out, and you could put take by faith. It means the same thing. I'm claiming it. I'm receiving it. I'm taking it by faith because the Bible promises it to me. And I'm taking it and it's mine. And I'm going to praise them until it manifests. And the, we're, the power of God, the angels of God are working behind the scenes to cause that thing to manifest in my life. So what's my job? What's everything I desire? I believe I receive them. I take them. I claim them at the time I pray. That's my job. And ye shall have them. That's the manifestation of them. That's God's side. He will figure out how to get it to you. Now you'd be led by the spirit because he might ask you to do certain things to aid in the process of it manifesting, but you still, that's God's side to manifest it, generally speaking, my side to believe for it. Are you with me? Now that prayer of faith is what you, we're talking about healing now, that prayer of faith will get you healed. So now the question is, the prayer of faith, Dad Hagen said, we'll talk about a little couple things tonight, but Dad Hagen said that you don't pray the prayer of faith For national things You can't just claim At will Things outside your sphere You understand? You can't do that That's not how the prayer of faith works The prayer of faith is always seen in the Bible In an individual personalized approach Now technically I cannot pray the prayer of faith For Pastor Nancy I can't pray the prayer of faith For some Christian friend that I have I technically at any given moment cannot pray the prayer of faith for Guggen, or for you or for you or for any of you. Now, I'm allowed to pray the prayer of faith under certain conditions for you, but not under different certain not under different conditions. Why? Because the prayer of faith is an individual prayer. The person themselves have to pray the prayer of faith. You can't pray the prayer of faith for me and I can't pray the prayer of faith for you. I got to pray the prayer, pray the prayer of faith for myself, and you've got to pray the prayer of faith for yourself. Now there are some exceptions, but very few. Dad Hagen always said, "You pray the prayer of faith for yourself." You're not praying the prayer of faith for the body of christ as a whole you can't claim things for some other believer somewhere down the road just because you decide to do that that's not how that operation of the spirit works you claim things for you because you see it in the word your faith has been built you're operating in faith and you're saying i'm in faith and i claim this for me because that's the prayer of faith you can't claim that for somebody else because they don't believe or well, you don't know if they believe, but you believe for your needs with the prayer of faith. Yeah, Are you understanding me? Yes. So be careful when you're praying for other people, you're not really praying the prayer of faith for them. Now you can go and teach the other person and say, this is what the Bible says. Let's look at it together. Now, can you believe that? Well, then let me show you how you pray the prayer of faith. Now this is how you pray it. You can do that. But you can't just go and pray the prayer of faith for everybody at will. That's your special prayer, you pray for you because you believe. Now what you can do is if they don't believe, let's say Taylor doesn't believe. Taylor, this is what the Bible says, that you have a right to be healed. But you don't believe it, do you? No. No. And I Taylor, I, I'm trying to convince you that this is what the Bible says. I'm trying to teach you how to pray or prayer the faith. Now will you do that? Yes. N- no. No. No, you won't do that. No. Sorry, no you're sorry. you're you're playing the person that refuses the Got faith. Now, I can't pray the prayer of faith for him because he won't let me. I can't pray the prayer of faith for him anyway, but I can't teach him how to pray because he doesn't want it. But what I can do, see, God's trying his best to get things over to people. So I can say, well, Taylor, you won't, you won't pray the prayer of faith according to Mark eleven twenty three. 23, but will you at least, according to Matthew uh, 18, would you at least let me, uh, will you agree with me? Because I believe, now, would you just put your agreement with me and I'm going to pray with you the prayer of agreement. And now, now this is whatever little faith you've got. Which evidently isn't too much but whatever little faith he's got plus the faith i've got we join our faith together And the prayer of agreement bible says if two or more are gathered and you agree you ask what you will and the father will give it to you yeah. right. But you have got to stay in agreement the problem is you pray the prayer of agreement with people that got no faith at all Within the first day of you praying that the first thought that comes the first attack that comes the first doubt that comes They're just jabbering away all the doubt and they've undone the prayer of faith you prayed so there's not much point praying the prayer of agreement with somebody if you can't get them to stay in agreement with you. Do you understand? But you can always pray the prayer of agreement if the prayer of faith is not, you can't get them to pray the prayer of faith. But you can't necessarily pray the prayer of faith for them because the prayer of faith is for you. Are you with me? So let's say that you're sick and you're coming on Friday for healing. There's different ways God heals, but one way that you can do it, uh, whether without anybody praying for you, is you can just pray the prayer of faith yourself you can pray the prayer of faith tonight long before the service on friday night just say father your word says that jesus took it by his stripes i'm healed that he bore my sickness and took my pain i believe that i have faith in that faith has come into my heart by the revelation of that scripture and many others like it. So Father, I'm standing on Matthew 8:17 and 1 Peter 2:24 and Isaiah 53. I'm standing on those scriptures, and I believe your word. And right now, I reach out the hand of my faith, and I lay hold of my healing, and I claim my healing. I believe in faith that I receive in the realm of the Spirit. I don't feel any different, but I take in that realm, I receive my healing it's by faith. I do it right now. I receive it right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, that it will manifest. You will cause your power to come at the right time and manifest it. But my job is to believe I have received it. And I believe I received it. And I'm going to thank you for it every, every time I think about it. I'm going to thank you that your power is working in me. Now, you can do that. And nobody needs to lay hands on you and you'll be healed. And that's the highest flow of healing is to do it that way. Because otherwise, you always need somebody to pray for you. That's the highest flow of healing. Now, you can do that at home. You can also do that in the in the building like that lady came years ago who was deaf in the rainstorm on Wednesday night And she's i would never seen her before or since she's never come back and I didn't pray I wasn't a healing service. I didn't pray for anybody But she just said see her point of contact See, you can be at home and just say, I believe I receive it now But for her she wasn't strong enough to do that It was it was a little bit beyond her just at home to say I take it yeah. She kind of for what it's not that as high of a flow what she did, but it still works She said if I can get to the house where the anointing is Then I can release my faith whether or not the man prays for me or not But I just I got to get to that physical church See now that's the lower flow because you don't really need that if you have enough faith You can do this in your bathtub It doesn't matter where you are because there's power available anywhere because god is omnipresent But some people, they're not quite strong enough to just take it wherever they are, so they have to get to a physical location. But it's better than nothing. And at least she released her faith. And when she stood here in the worship service, she missed most of it. She was only there for one or two songs. But as she stood there and she said, Father, I release my faith and God opened her ear. Nobody prayed for her. She told us afterward, I didn't even know what had happened. I wasn't gonna pray for anybody that was sick that night. That wasn't the flow of the service, but God honored her faith and came with heaven power directly into her body, bypassing me, bypassing everything. Now, she could have got that at home. Yeah. But for her, she wasn't strong enough in her faith to get it at home, but she was strong enough to get in the physical building and get it. Yes. Yes. But it's still not my anointing. Yeah. No. Right. That was her faith. Yeah. 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 She really prayed the prayer of faith. It just with a point of contact was coming to the physical building. Amen. Now then, so the, the prayer of faith can, can, you can receive things from that prayer of faith. Now there is, an, a, there is not, again, I, I've talked to ministers about it and there is some discrepancy, but turn with me because I don't know, I don't know really anybody that knows it 100% because a lot of ministers have a lot of different viewpoints on the scripture. But, but, uh, and I'm talking about people that I trust and respect. So, I mean, I'm not saying that I know everything because I certainly don't, but I'm just going to show you something here. James chapter five. If you just look at that with me for a second, James chapter five, because I think there's something interesting here that we can see and that will help us understand a little bit more about the prayer of faith. So the prayer of faith is private. It's individual. You can't change national things with it. Can't change other people's lives with it. It's for you. Now, you can teach other people how to pray it if they'll learn. If they don't, you can pray the prayer of agreement with them. If, they're not, if they don't want that, you can lay your hands on them as a believer. Any, any believer can do this and pray for their healing. Do you understand? You can do that as a believer because you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So there's different ways that you can help your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones, your coworkers. There's different ways you can help people receive from God. Prayer of faith, teaching them how to pray is one. Prayer of agreement is another. The laying hands on the sick is another. And inviting them to come when an anointed minister is ministering the anointing is another. There's different ways, okay? But if you look here in James chapter 5, 14, and it says, uh, first of all, let's look at 13. And it says, is any among you afflicted? (laughs) That means to suffer trouble and endure hardship and afflictions. going through a hard time. If you're going through a hard time, don't ask your pastor to pray for you. Because that's what everybody does. Because we've been trained wrong in North America. We call the prayer tower. We call the prayer team. We call everybody else. The Bible says, if you're going through a hard time, pray yourself. (laughs) Because we get too dependent and too weak-minded that our prayers aren't strong enough. No, what he's saying here is even when you're being buffeted, you pray. When Paul was buffeted, he didn't ask somebody else to pray. He said, I besought God three times. He prayed when he was afflicted and God answered him and God showed him the answer and he walked in the answer. So as a little side note, when you're going through a hard time, just pray yourself. Is it wrong to ask somebody to pray? No, but technically the Bible says, when you're going through a hard time, open your own mouth and pray yourself. Notice it says there as well. Now it says if anybody is merry, let him sing psalms Let him let him rejoice. Let him sing So if you're having a really great time brother, i'm not going to sing for you If you've had a breakthrough don't ask me to dance for you you dance And if you're having a bad time, don't ask me to pray for you. You pray Do you see the concept here? In other words, take responsibility and stop being such a baby about everything. That's really what the Bible is saying. You don't ask somebody else to rejoice for you. So why should you ask somebody else? To re- now, there's still nothing wrong with asking somebody to pray for you. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying we have an epidemic yeah. or a pandemic, as we're all very familiar now with that phrase. We have a pandemic of everybody being so weak. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. I'm going through a hard day. Please pray for me. No, that's what the Bible says. Open your own mouth and pray. Start getting in the spirit. Start building yourself up. Start stirring yourself up. Start binding the devil. Start worshiping God. Start loosing the angels. Start claiming what you need. You pray if you're going through a hard day. It's nothing wrong once in a while to get help, but don't get so crippled that you're always needing help. It's a crutch to you. Are you with me? Okay, now we keep going. Verse 14 is any sick among you? So, first, if you're going through a hard time, and then if you're going through a good time. So, bad times and good times are both represented in verse 13. Now we got sick times. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. That means the ministers, the fivefold offices. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay. So, let's keep reading and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and if they have committed sins, if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one to another that you may be healed. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, uh, when it says is any sick, you got, if you're, if you're a good student of the Bible, you'll, you'll have learned that the word sick in verse 14 is very different than the word sick in verse 15. Sick and sick are not the same sick. Okay. English, it's the same. Greek is not the same. The word sick in the first part of that verse, verse 14, means those that are going through physical ailments. But the next one, sick, in the next verse is not physical ailments. It means to be worn down. Let me read it to you from the the Greek in that the, the prayer of faith shall save the sick this is what the Greek commentary says. This is not the Greek word usually used for sickness and disease. It is the Greek word kamno, and it means, quote, those who are weary and worn down. And the context possibly refers to believers who have been arguing with each other, slandering each other, backbiting, and because of such behaviors, it has left them spiritually weak. Now, it references this, uh, and if they have committed sins, you see there, if they have committed sins. Now, the Greek means, if they are a doer of sin. That's what it means, if they are a doer of sin. It's a more accurate way to say it. And this passage clearly implies that the sickness or weakness referred to at the beginning of verse 15 this weakness, this condition of being worn down is the direct result of sin. And now the Greek, the Greek lexicon references 1 Corinthians 11:30, which you know, for this cause, if you don't discern the Lord's body, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep or die prematurely. So at least this greek scholar is i'm not saying that he's uh, he's he's god But i'm just saying he is making a connection here and he is saying first corinthians 11 says you better treat each other right And not be backbiting and slandering and gossiping and talking about and fighting and not being unforgiveness with each other But if you are not going to listen to that weakness and sickness is going to come on you And this weakness and sickness that we see in verse 15 is coming upon them because they're not treating each other right they're violating first corinthians 11 and so verse 30 is coming to pass and weakness and sickness has come now in the form of being worn down and exhausted are you you with me still that's why it makes more sense under that understanding why it says that if you've been a doer of sins or this not treating the body right you'll be forgiven and you'll be healed but the next verse now confess and acknowledge that you have offended one another. And pray for one another that you may be instantly healed. Why is it talking? Immediately it goes into, go tell your brother what you did wrong. For years people thought that meant just pick somebody and tell them your deep sins. No, but that's not what it's talking about. You don't just pick somebody in the congregation and say, listen, I got to talk to, I got to talk to you. Listen, I've been doing this and I've been doing that. And then the poor person's going red. And I've been thinking this, and I've been thinking that. Now, the Bible says that if I confess my sins, that God will forgive me. Now, brother, I need you to They're like, why do I need to forgive you? You didn't do anything to me. You did something to you or whatever. Okay. And it's embarrassing, and it's awkward, and it's weird. And that's what people think this means. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about if, 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 if Deanne Allen has been offended with, with uh, Winston Churchill over here. Okay. If Deanne has been offended with Winston, and they're, and they're going at it and they're not walking in love, and they're not discerning the Lord's body right, there's going to be a a sense of being worn down and weakness. And if they don't stop it, sickness is going to start to come. Are you listening? That's called doing sin. That's sin in God's eyes because it's not treating the body right. They've opened the door now. So now what they need to do is what they need to do is they need to go to each other and confess their faults one to another and say, Brother, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Sister, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And the Bible says that you may be instantly healed. Because when that open door has been because of not treating each other right, you've got to close that door, not just between God, but between the person that you did, that you did wrong to. It's good. Yeah. Do you understand? Now, and I'm, not, I'm not saying in every situation you need to do that. But, but when you've been rowing with somebody, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's probably right, uh, it's right to make that right. And yes. There are times where God may say, no, just... You deal with me and just leave them alone and you talk to me about it. But we do see in scripture that it's okay in the context of when there's been something wrong between the believers that to go to them and confess that didn't say make them confess their faults. It said you confess your side. In other words, don't judge them. You don't say, well, hey, now it's your turn. (laughs) No, because that's what people do i've done my thing now it's your turn that's not what it says it says confess your fault now if that person wants to confess their fault then they'll be healed but if they don't then you'll be the only one that's healed but you just do your you be right you confess your fault that you that you got into uh, you got into defense yeah, brother, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I'm 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 a work in progress. God's working on me. Please forgive me. And the Bible says now when you do that, because you've you've opened this door to sickness. But that word sickness doesn't mean traditional sickness. It means being totally broken and worn out spiritually because of this friction. That's why you confess to get rid of that. Do you understand? And if you can, so if you look at the context of that, it makes you understand why why do we confess our faults? It's not just picking somebody in general. It's, it's only if there's a real issue. And I'm not even saying every time that is required. Okay. Can I, can I bring something else up? You know, the word says, if your brother offends you, go to them. You know how the Lord told Dad Hagen not every scripture is for everybody. And that like heresy, what do you mean? Oh, I got the Bible, the Bible's for me every day. Right. But, but he said, the Lord showed him that scripture is for babies. Wow. The more you grow in grow up spiritually, the more you don't, that is for baby Christians, not every verse it's for every person because the Bible is written so that we'll grow in a journey. So Jesus told Dad Hagen, now when you were young and stupid, basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but when you were young and carnal and somebody offended you <laughs> to, to keep your heart right, go to them. Didn't, it say, didn't say you have offended them. It says when your brother offends you, you go to them and make it right. But if you learn as you grow up and somebody does something to you, the more mature you get, the more you go, whatever. I love you. You see, the older you are, I don't need to go to every person. Well, sister, you didn't look at me right. Uh, I was in the bathroom, and I'm telling you, you gave me a weird look. I can feel it. I just know it by the Holy Ghost. Mm, I just know it. You gave me a bad look. And I have a, see, that somebody's done something to you that you've perceived, and you're going to them. That's what babies do. The more mature you are, you don't have to go up and tell everybody every little thing that you think they've done towards you, and half of it they haven't even done, and they didn't even know they've done so the older I get, the less people I go and say, you hurt me. Yes. Are you listening? Yes. But that's not what this says. It says, confess your faults. Yes. So if I've done something against you, it's not the same as what Dad H- Jesus was telling Dad Hagen. That doesn't really apply to you. Yes. If I've messed up with you, yes. unless the Lord really tells me specifically, you don't need to deal with that, but you have scripture yes. to say, if I've hurt you, I'm going to go to you because if I don't treat you right, I'm going to open a door. And this, this war, this being weak, see, this says weakness, sickness, premature death. Weakness comes first. That second word, weak, uh, sick, in verse 15, the Greek word kamno, it does not mean physical sickness. It means weakness. Yeah. What is the first thing in 1 Corinthians 11:30? Weakness. If I'm mistreating you, weakness is going to come. I'm going to, my prayers won't get answered. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be spiritually tired. I'm going to be physically worn out. I'm not even sick yet. I'm just going through a difficult time because I'm not treating you right. So I'm going to go to you and I'm going to say, now, brother, we need to make this right. I'm sorry. See, I've offended you. You haven't offended me. I've offended you. I apologize. Now, when you do that, the healing power will come. Do you understand? And that's the context of this going to other people and confessing your sin. So just be careful that you don't just go pick people in general to confess your sin to them because that's not what we do in the body of Christ. You don't need to do that. They're not your priest. Yeah. We're not Catholics. Yeah. You don't need to go and confess your sin to somebody. You confess your sin to the Lord Jesus. And he's quick and, and faithful and just to forgive you quickly and wash you. But if you've done something against a brother and there's weakness that's come, if you don't deal with that weakness, what's going to happen is sickness is going to follow it. Are you, are you, are you okay with me? But I want you to notice something here. Notice verse 15. It says and the prayer of faith will heal the sick That sick is not the sick with physical sickness. That's the camno the weak one The prayer of faith will save the weak one the lord will restore him to health raise him up And if he's committed sins why because he's done wrong They're going to be forgiven and then he's going to go and confess his sins and there's going to be further healing that takes place but did you notice it says in that context, the prayer of faith will save the weak one. So a lot of people read this, these two verses, they, they don't, they don't pause. So let me read it to you without pausing. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and then pray for over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. It sounds like the elders are praying the prayer of faith. Are, are you awake? Like... Uh, <laughs> Take a Red Bull next time you come to church. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. If you read it without pausing, it looks like the elders are anointing with oil in the name of the Lord and praying the prayer of faith and the Lord is raising them up. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying that's one way to look at it. And that's how most people look at it. But if you look at it from the Greek, the word sick and the word sick are two different words. So the contexts have changed. So if you look at it in the Greek contextually, you've got to pause at the end of that verse. Let the, let the elders, what does it say? If any sick among you, call for the elders of the church. Let, him, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the weak one. Now, it could be the elders praying it, or it could be the weak one praying it. Because remember, the prayer of faith is to be prayed privately. So the weak one could be saying, Father, I admit that I've committed sin in terms of I've been against my brother, and I've done wrong. And this, according to 1 Corinthians 1130, this opened a door, and now weakness has come on me. And I'm worn down, and I'm weak. Now, Lord, I, I want you to know that I recognize that. And I'm confessing that to you, and I'm sorry. Now, Father, I claim because I'm right now, I claim with the prayer of faith my healing. And the Lord heals. Now, let me do the next verse. Brother, it's not, you come, it's not you doing something to me. Because I'm more mature than to go after every little person that does something to me. But brother, I did something to you. And I want to tell you I'm sorry. I should not have done that. Please, would you forgive me? Let's pray together. Will you confess yourself? And another another measure of healing flows. Do you understand? So from the Greek contextual version, you're looking at two different kinds of sickness, which means two different contexts, which means you pause at the end of verse 14 before you go into verse 15, which would therefore imply that the prayer of faith is not prayed by the elder. It's prayed by the one who is weak for themselves, Because Dad Hagen taught us the prayer of faith is to be prayed individually for yourself personally. Do you understand that? Okay. However, there's another way to look at this as well. And that is all true what I'm saying. But there's another way where you could go it without pausing and it could be that the elder prays the prayer of faith. Mm-hmm. Because from one, if you don't look at it, the context of two different kinds of sickness, you could also argue a point that when the elder comes to anoint with oil and pray, pray in the name of the Lord, and then that elder is going to pray the prayer of faith and God's going to raise that weak one up. Do you understand? Now, Again, it's hard to prove this because contextually there are two different kinds of one is sick with physical ailments And that's the anointing with oil by the elder The other is weak not sick But weak because of some kind of open door they've done with the body of Christ And so they really should be dealing with that themselves Which is why the prayer of faith is mentioned here, but there's some people Greg that just will to their dying day No matter what I say no matter what I doesn't matter how I prove it come Greek contextual for to their dying day No The elder prays a prayer of faith. No, the Bible says the elder prays a prayer. You can't prove that there's a pause. The elder prays a prayer of faith. Now, Dad Hagen said that the prayer of faith is to be prayed privately. So how could the elder pray the prayer of faith if it's to be prayed privately? Well, then they say, well, Dad Hagen's a heretic. Kenneth Hagen's a heretic because here we've got proof that you can pray the prayer of faith to somebody else. I'm just giving you both sides of the coin because I'm, I'm not, that doesn't bother me that people attack. I just want to know what I believe so I can stand my ground. So I, I asked the Lord and I asked some of the ministers too. And I said, do you believe that there's ever an occasion where you could pray the prayer of faith for somebody else other than yourself? Because this verse, if you look at it from that perspective, implies that the minister is praying the prayer of faith for a congregation member. But that's not a private deal. That's a minister praying. And so the Lord dropped in my heart. He he answered to me this way. He said, can you pray the prayer of faith for your wife? Yes. Why? Because she's one with me. She is me. I am one with her. I can pray the prayer of faith for my wife. And you should. Do you understand? Even if they're not saved. You can pray the prayer of faith for your, because it is still a personalized, because they're one with you the lord said to me can you pray the prayer of faith for your children now that's a little bit of a trick question but the answer is yes because my children are under my authority they're in my house and because they're under my authority i can pray the prayer of faith on their behalf because they're under me it's a little bit of a trick question because once they become adults and they leave my roof it's a gray issue. Can I pray the prayer of faith for them? Some people say yes, because they're your kids. Other people say no, because they're now independent. They're going to pray the prayer of faith themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe there's somewhere in the middle is probably the truth there. But I'm just talking about when they're under your authority. The Lord meant he was, when he said it to me, Greg, he wasn't talking about, you know, you know, he wasn't referring to, for example, you know, Wayne and Sally. Wayne and Sally have adult children outside their home. He wasn't asking me the question in the light of another person's experience. He was asking me the question in terms of my experience. And in my experience right now with my kids being 17 and 16 and 10 and 6, they're under my roof. They're under my authority. So when he said, can you pray for your kids? He's talking about kids in underage category. And, And the answer was yes. So he wasn't addressing can the parent pray for the prayer of faith for a child that's outside the house. I'm not sure. Maybe yes, maybe no. You'll have to figure that out. I don't know. Because as an independent adult, they do have their own responsibility. But as a parent, there's always a spiritual thing that you have over your, over your kids. So, you know, I would say probably just go ahead and try it. <laughs> just pray the prayer of faith on their behalf. But they do have to take responsibility as well. But as little kids under my roof, I have a right to pray the prayer of faith on them. When I pray, lay hands on Luke. I don't say, now, honey, now you need to understand what faith is. And now you need to do that. Now, I do teach him, but it's not my, it's not his job at six years old. I say, father, as I say, it's like, it's like it's on me. I say, "Now, father, and I do, I really mean this. I take it like it's on my body. And I say, father, now this sickness is my sickness because he's mine. Now I'm telling you what your word says. And I claim this healing in Jesus name for him, because it's on me, because it's on him. And my faith works for him every time. God will heal him because I'm praying for him. So then the Lord said this to me after saying your wife, your kids, underage kids. I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Then he said, well, if you have authority to pray for your wife and you have authority to pray for your children, are your congregation members not your spiritual children? I said, well, from one perspective, Lord, yes, they are. And so he said to me, and from that perspective, you have a right to pray the prayer of faith for your own church. So I called a couple theologians to ask them before I preached it that are smarter than me that in our group, and I said, what do you think about this? And they said, well, I've never really thought about that. But that that sounds right to me. It sounds right to me because if if they've submitted to your authority, just like your children are under your spiritual authority, they've submitted to you, uh, yeah, I guess you could pray the prayer of faith for your congregation because they've submitted to your authority, which would then, from the perspective of, if you don't pause, And if the elder is praying the prayer of faith for the weak one or the sick one or whatever their problem is, uh, remember, the elder is that person's pastor. Is any of you in the church sick? Let him call for the elder or the pastor to come. So then from that perspective, you could look at that verse from two different ways. Greek contextual, you can separate them and say, the minister prays for those that are physically sick with the anointing of oil. And if you're weak because you've opened a door, you pray the prayer of faith yourself and then repent You see the separation there You could also look at it like well Even if you've messed it up and even if you have done something wrong You still have to deal with that person and do or do it right But the minister because they've got authority in your life can also pray the prayer of faith over you after anointing you with oil And god will honor their prayer for your life because you are underneath them Are you with me on that? Okay, so, uh, but, but Pastor Jay, when he was talking to me about this, he said, but you got to pay attention to one important thing here. If you're taking it from the perspective that you can pray the prayer of faith for a congregation member, you can only, that only operates under these conditions. It says very clearly in verse uh, 14, is anyone sick among you? Let him call. Let him call. That means to summon or invite. Let him call the elders. So let me put it this way. If you call, you initiate, not me. That anointing on my life, I'm not talking about the prayer of faith now. The anointing on my life can work for you by the laying on of hands because you release your faith that I've got a healing anointing and I can anoint you with oil. But because you call, I can also release my faith and pray the prayer of faith over you because you called, you initiated, and you're under my care. And like I would pray for my own child, I can release my faith for you as a congregation member. But you have to call. Do you see the difference? Let me put it this way. Right now, there's, I don't know, I don't know how many people, there's a few people that are sick in the church. And I'm sitting there enjoying my life. I'm having a great time. And they're going through not so great of a time. If they don't communicate, I am not permitted to pray the prayer of faith for them. Because my faith can't work for them because they didn't ask. Do you understand? I can teach them how to pray the prayer of faith for themselves. Now, I can pray for them. I can pray for them anyway. And just ask God for mercy. you understand? But if they ask, if they put a demand... If they show respect for the office and for the anointing and for my faith, if and only if they ask, they call. Now I can go anoint them with oil. If the Lord prompts that wait, it's not legalistic. You don't always have to use oil. But what it's saying is impart the anointing to them. The oil represents the anointing. So it's not legalistic that I always have to anoint with oil. But what it's saying is the minister comes, lays hands in the name of Jesus and imparts the anointing. If they call, I can do that. If they don't call, I can't do that. If they call, if you look at this verse from the way I said, I can also not just impart the anointing, but I can actually release my faith personally as though it was my own child on their behalf only because they're a believer under me. Do you understand? So I'm sitting here, I'm enjoying my life. I'm having a great time and somebody out there is not having a great time in promise of life, Mm -hmm. and they decide to stay quiet, all I can do is say, Father, I'm praying for them. Lord, I ask you to help them, and I'm doing that, but that's kind of on a lower level. Mm -hmm. If the intercession comes on me, then their problem's solved, but I can't force that to happen. I can just pray simple prayers, just release my simple faith for them, but now if they call and say, I I need some help, they initiate. I can say, come. What I'm going to first do is I'm going to I'm going to release the anointing because I have an anointing for healing because you've, you've initiated, you've shown honor. That's going to release that flow of the anointing. So let me lay hands upon you and release the anointing on you. Now I can do that. Now technically, uh, that's in my mind where it ends. But if there is a prompting because they're a congregation member, they're under my care, I can actually now take it a step further, Greg, and not just impart the anointing, but actually lay hold of their need In a personal capacity. And claim it as though I was claiming it for Luke Field. Because I can pray the prayer of faith for them. Because they're my congregate. But only if they ask. And this is the problem. People struggle. And they don't ask. You take it or leave it. Now I'm having a great life. I'm sitting here. I'm having a great life. And somebody At World Harvest Church, I'm giving you an example, watches and says, oh, I want Pastor Craig to pray for me. I'm going to call. I'm going to get a plane ticket. I'm going to go over to that church because I believe that there's an anointing. If that person comes and initiates, I can do the first part of that verse because they're sick. I can release the anointing in the name of the Lord and impart healing power to them because they've asked. But I cannot pray the prayer of faith for them. Do you know why? Because they're not under my authority. I can't lay hold of their need like I would at my own son. Because they're not my sheep. And I'm not their father. They're somebody else's sheep. And their pastor has to lay hold for them. That's why it matters what church you go to. Because you want, and I'm using WHC as an example because Pastor Morgan has great faith. So that would be a good church to be a part of for a pastor to lay hold with you. But there's so many churches, the pastor don't know the first clue. The Holy Ghost could walk down in a red hat. Kenneth Hagin said they wouldn't even know it was the Holy Ghost. They don't know the move of the spirit. They don't know what faith is. They don't understand healing. They know nothing. All they know is their social media and their golf. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying there's a lot of pastors that don't have a clue. They just don't because they haven't been taught. They haven't been around people to teach them. So it matters where you go so that somebody that knows what they're doing can help you and lay hold. Now, of course, a lot of this hinges also on your life. Because if you're here asking for this kind of thing, but there's something wrong in your life, like an unforgiveness, and you have not released that, and you have not gone to that person and repented, I can anoint you with oil and release the anointing and take hold of your need like it was my own child, and you still won't get healed. Do you understand? Because there, I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but you have to have a pure heart. There, There can't be blatant, unrepentant sin in your life, and you just think that God's going to do stuff for you. It just doesn't work that way are you with me yes. so i'm saying simple things like this to you so you understand on a regular basis now so i asked the lord i'm almost done are you okay still what is i don't even know the time Eight fifty-three. so i said well lord how does this now work now because on friday night we're having a healing service and so if i'm talking about this in general on wednesday night to prep them now does that mean that people that come on friday night that i can lay hold of their needs like it was my own child The Lord didn't say that I couldn't, but he did say this to me, and I'm I'm learning that we need to be skillful in these things. And he said, son, under that kind of anointing, because it's a special miracle healing service, it's a unique set-apart service. Because the anointing is going to be a certain way that night, unless I tell you specifically, you don't pray the prayer of faith for people even in your own congregation, because the flow of the anointing is more of that impart. I'm I'm, I'm transmitting healing power in a special healing service, and the focus is the anointing. It's not the prayer of faith. It's the anointing going into people to receive their healing. It's not the flow of, let me pause and lay hold of this for you as though you were my child. Do you understand? Can you see the difference of the purpose of the evening? that purpose is about the anointing. It's not about the perfect. So he said, do not do that on Friday night unless I speak to you. If I speak to you and say, pause and lay hold of this person like it was your own child, then lay hold in addition to releasing the anointing. But if I don't tell you that the flow of that service is the anointed flow, is that anointing to flow. Don't don't block that flow by stopping See, because if you understand, if you understand the way the Holy Ghost works, if he's moving and I stop, I stop that move to pray the prayer of faith, I'll grieve the spirit. Because that's so, and those kind of special services, it's not really for the prayer of faith. It's for imparting the anointing. But on a, he said, but on a regular basis, on a normal Sunday, on a normal service, on a, without it being that special flow, if anybody asks, impart to them. But you can also lay hold of them. You can lay hold of their need and pray the prayer of faith on their behalf. Because they're underneath you, but you can't do it when you travel. You can't do it in other countries. You can't do it in other churches. That is a privilege that only this congregation gets because you're the child. You're the spiritual sheep. Do you understand? I'm trying to help you understand something so that when, 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 that's, when that's those kind of services come and you've heard what I've said, but you don't hear me praying the prayer of faith, you're not going to know, well, why isn't he doing that? I'm, I, I'm under him and he's my pastor and I want him to pray the prayer of faith. Bless God, you pray the prayer of faith. No, because that flow doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work with that unless the Lord interrupts that flow and says, now pray but on a regular, normal flow, not a special anointed healing flow, just a regular service anytime during the week. If you call, if you inquire, if you initiate, if you want, I'll not only impart the anointing, but I'll lay hold of it for you because you're my family as though it were my own child. And and, and then there's two measures of Flow working here. It's my personal faith from that perspective, and it's the anointing of healing power on me as a minister, and both streams are coming at you at once. And that's special. But in general, I'm just saying in general, Dad Hagen was right. You don't pray the prayer of faith for other people. You can't just call your sister and pray the prayer of faith for her. Because she's not under your authority. For you not being a minister, the only ones you can pray the prayer of faith for is you, your spouse and your children. That's it. You can't pray the prayer of faith for me. You can't pray the prayer of faith for some other person in this congregation. You can't pray for national needs. You can't pray for anything except you, your spouse, and your kids. That's what the prayer of faith is for. As a minister, I get one extra category in light of this verse that I can lay hold because you're under that authority, but only for this church, not for anybody else. Do you understand? Are you understanding that that a little bit better? So you understand? Because some people, Greg, I come and and I feel, and I've actually struggled with it, so the Lord's really helping me understand it because I feel like, Oh, and I start going into that prayer of faith. I'm praying for them like they're my own child. And then I like, I will hold back and I go, what are you doing, Craig? You're not allowed to do this. They're not Jenny. They're not Quentin Cole, Caleb or Luke. Why are you doing this? Just pray and release the healing anointing. Why are you laying hold of it like that with them? And I'll try to back away, but there's an anointing to do it. And it's frustrated me for a long time. Why? But I never sense an anointing when I'm outside this church. And so I've gone to the Lord and said, why is that? Am I missing it? Because I don't want to miss it. And that's why he showed me. He said, well, from one perspective, these verses are separate. But from another perspective, as a minister in their own church, you can pray. That's why that that great compassion comes on you for your own congregation. And you hold, you lay hold of it with them as though it were your own child. That's because you're in a very rare and unique category. And it's only for those in your care. It's not for anybody else out there. The rest of the people can only do it for themselves and their spouse, and their child. Amen. So, when you come on Friday, if you're coming for healing, and I know some people are watching, because they've told me, and there's some serious cases that, that, that I hope they're watching. I told them, if you have, if you show honor for God, he'll show honor for you. So, if you have a serious case, if I were you, I'd watch church. If you can't come before the healing service, I don't understand people that just, want God to do everything for them, but they're too lazy to do anything for him. So if they're watching and you couldn't come for whatever reason, which is fine, there's no judgment, no condemnation, but if you're watching and you're coming, I don't want you to stumble over why isn't the prayer of faith being prayed for you if you're my sheep, because the flow of that service is not for that. The flow of that service is to uh, transmit the anointing of healing power. Are you with me? And I know it's late. And as you know, I really don't care. So I want to read you one section, just one section only. Please, it's important. I really want you to listen to this. I, I, I know I went a little bit late on the other, but I, I felt like I had to explain to you the differences between that. But I'm just going to read this to you. It's going to take about five minutes. Can you listen? This is what I taught in the Bible school. So you're getting free Bible school material, and I'm not even charging you, but you will put an extra $20 in the offering plate tonight because this is copyrighted material. This is, ho- this is high-end stuff. This is not just for anybody. You didn't pay for this. You shouldn't be getting this. But the Lord prompted me, read them this so that they understand the difference now. I'm not talking about the prayer of faith anymore, that's done. I'm talking about the anointing of healing power and then the gifts of the spirit and they're very different. The anointing of healing power is what is on my life as a minister, that tangible anointing to minister to you. The only way it works is if you believe it. The gifts of the spirit, I don't control. They come as the Holy Spirit wills and don't matter if you believe it or not. It don't matter if you even know what church you're in. It doesn't even matter if you're high. No, I'm serious. When the gifts come, it's a gift to you, it's done, you'll be healed instantly. And there's a difference between the gifts and the anointing of healing power. The gifts, there's no responsibility on the recipient. The anointing of healing power, there's a heavy responsibility on the recipient. You have to believe in it. Now, when I say release your faith, when I touch you, that's your point of contact. Release your faith. What are we talking about? You're not releasing your faith and praying the prayer of faith. Well, Lord, I believe I receive. No, that's the prayer of faith you pray in your seat or at home. When I say, when I lay hands on you, release your faith, what am I saying? I'm saying, you have come, you've called, you've initiated, you have come to ask for that healing anointing on my life to flow into you. So when I touch you, that's your point. You can release it earlier than that, but no later. At that point, when I touch you, in your heart, release your faith, that's, that's your moment, that's your, that's your action you take, corresponding action. Father, I release my faith that the anointing on his life is gonna flow and is gonna kill the sickness and disease. You're not just saying, I release my faith for the power of God in general. That's the prayer of faith that you do before you come up. But when you're here, you're releasing faith in the anointing on the minister. Do you understand? If you got to divide that, otherwise you'll be releasing your faith in the wrong flow. You don't pray the prayer of faith when you're up here. That's between you and God. You release your faith in the anointing that God has put on the minister to impart to you. You believe, Father, you've anointed that person. I can get it on my own. But, Father, there's another stream of healing through this medium. Now, Lord, I thank you that the anointing on this minister is going to flow into me because I show honor for that office. And as the in Mark 6, the people, they did not show honor for you. And you could do no mighty works. But the ones that did show honor for you, you did great and mighty works. So, Father, I'm going to show honor for the anointing on this pastor, and I'm going to believe in Jesus' name that as soon as he touches me, I release my faith, and that anointing of healing power is going to flow into me. Do you understand? If you'll release your faith doing that, you'll get more from that anointing up here. But that's not the time to pray the prayer of faith, because that's between you and God. This is a releasing of faith for the anointing on my life, or whichever minister is here. Now, Dad Hagen said these words, Jesus appeared to him September 2nd, 1950, and he took him to heaven, and uh, okay, I don't want to read too much because we're running short on time. Let me just, because I don't know where to start, so let me just start here. And, and God said to him, why son, there's a lot you don't know in the word, because he gave him a scripture, and he said, I, I didn't see that before, Lord. And uh, about Acts 10 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, category one, and with power, category two. And he said the Holy Ghost and power are different, and he goes, Lord, I don't I've never seen that. And he said there's a lot of things you don't haven't seen in the Word. And then he says, uh, now I was wondering, now I with Jesus is speaking, he's in heaven, he's actually in the throne room of God. God is sitting about fourteen feet over to his right, the Father on the throne. This is the pinnacle experience of Kenneth Hagin's entire life, what we're reading right now. And in that extremely important moment, Jesus could have told him anything, anything, and it would have been amazing. But Jesus chose to teach him in the throne of God at the pinnacle moment of his entire life about the healing anointing. So I think it's important that we pay attention. I won't be long, but you need to listen. Listen now i was ministering jesus said as a prophet anointed by the spirit of god if i had ministered like a lot of preachers and like some churches think that i did when i got to nazareth i would have challenged them by saying you doubt that I'm the son of God? You doubt that I'm God manifested in the flesh? You doubt my deity? You doubt who I am? I'll tell you what you do. This is Jesus speaking to Kenneth Hagin. I'll tell you what, to, what you do. Gather up six totally blind people and we'll have the, the doctors examine them to uh, certify the fact that, that they're blind. And then you gather up several totally deaf people and have the doctors uh present to examine them and confirm that they're totally deaf and then you bring together four or five or half a dozen of bedfast people paralyzed people or crippled people uh, who can't walk and you have and and have to be carried in on stretchers and we'll have the doctors to examine them and to certify that they are totally crippled and then i'll heal them but you know i wouldn't have i wouldn't even have accepted a challenge even if they had challenged me like this in fact, they did challenge me in some sense because they said the mighty works that we heard that you did in Capernaum Do them here also in thy country You'll notice in reading that I never did them. Did I all I did all I could possibly do there Was that I laid my hands on a few sick folk and healed them And the few that I laid hands on didn't have much wrong with them. He's quoting the book, book book of mark chapter 6 You see, it says here in the word that only a few were healed under my ministry. Now, it is true, Jesus continued, that in some places and on some occasions, everybody that was there in that service that day or in that place, every sick person present got healed under my ministry. But it is also true that in other places, on other occasions and other days, for example, here in Nazareth in Mark 6, that just a few people received healing. Do you see the difference? You'll notice that the text said that I could there do no mighty works, that I had to lay my hands on a few sick folk and heal them. He said he could not. Not that he would not, but he could not. Notice that these people challenged me and said, the mighty works that we heard that you did in Capernaum, do them in your own country. The text in Mark 6, 5, Jesus still speaking, said, I could there do no mighty works. A totally blind person being healed would have been a mighty work. A totally deaf or crippled or bedfast would have been a mighty work right? But a few that wasn't much wrong with them are not mighty works. You see Peter preaching to Cornelius's household in Acts 10 38 said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and power, the Holy Ghost and something else being anointed by the Holy Ghost to minister. And then the Holy Spirit also manifesting himself in my ministry. Jesus says, because I was standing in the office of prophet and you will see those manifestations. Like you see the manifestations of the spirit in the old Testament. Jesus is explaining to him, the Holy Ghost can manifest himself through me, those are the gifts, and then the Holy Spirit can come upon me in healing power where I minister to the sick. Do you see the difference? And on Friday night, I believe there'll be both operations, but I can only control the operation of power. I can't control the operation of the gifts and neither can you. This is not just for you. There are people watching that really need to understand this, so just be patient with me. You'll see the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the discerning of spirits, and the gift of special faith, and the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings, and the gift of prophecy in manifestation in the Old Testament. And you'll see these gifts in manifestation in my ministry, every one of them. You do not see tongues and in interpretation and in manifestation in the Old Testament anywhere, neither do you see tongues with interpretation and in manifestation in my ministry. Jesus is speaking, because speaking with tongues and interpretation is distinctive of this dispensation that began on the day of Pentecost, and that's the reason you'll, you'll have more tongues and interpretation than anything else in this dispensation of the church age, because they're characteristic of this dispensation. So you see, seven gifts operate in the old, seven gifts operate in Jesus' ministry, nine operate in our ministry, because we're in the church age. At tongues and interpretation, Jesus couldn't operate because the Holy Ghost hadn't come. Are you with me? Now, now here's the crux of it. I'm right here at the, at, at the important part as I was anointed by the spirit Then the spirit would manifest himself. That's the gifts in my ministry And you will see at times that I didn't lay hands on anybody or anything or didn't even stop to teach or preach I would just walk up to somebody like at the pool of bethesda and i'd say rise up take up thy bed and walk why? Because the spirit inspired me to do that. He prompted a, me to do that. And that was a manifestation of the gifts of the spirit and a greater work. And then I just walked off and left all the rest of the sick folk, their five porches full of them. Why? Because the spirit led him to one person with the gifts. Are you listening? Why did I do that? I explained that to these folks at Nazareth and I said to them, Elijah was a prophet uh, and he was anointed by the Spirit and he had the working of miracles in his ministry and there were many widows in Israel. Remember, Jesus said that. Uh, But he couldn't just go to any widow's house and do a a work a miracle. He only went because that was the one that the Holy Spirit sent him to. And well, same with Elisha. There were many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and yet none of them were healed except Naaman the Syrian. Why? Couldn't he just go and tell all the lepers to dip in the river Jordan? Because God only sent him for that one person's benefit. Do you see that? Many times the gifts will operate for one individual person, even though there's many sick. Do you understand? Because the Holy Spirit has targeted one and he's the boss, so don't get offended why he didn't target you. He knows every detail about that person's life, how many opportunities they've had, how many things they've wasted, how many, how, what their heart condition is, how desperate they are, what price they've paid. He knows every detail. More than the person even knows. And he divinely selects who is going to get those gifts and who ain't. But it, just because he don't select you, if he doesn't, doesn't mean that you're hopeless. Because if you release your faith, the anointing of healing power will still get the same result. But now the responsibility is on you to release your faith. Are you still with me? Okay, almost done. He couldn't just tell all of them to dip in the river; he had to go to that for that one person's benefit. Now, so these special manifestations or gifts of the Spirit will come—gifts of healings, working of miracles, special faith—as the Spirit of God wills. Jesus said you will see the special manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit in operation in my ministry more than you will in any other person's ministry today, because I had the Spirit without measure. Okay? But that the whole church or the whole body of Christ has the Spirit with the same measure I had. So these things will be happening for the whole body, but not the same in an individual person's ministry. Right? Jesus had the gifts unlimited because He is the body. When He goes There's a billion pieces of the body. All of us have the gifts as a whole without measure, but individually you're going to have some and you're going to have some and you're going to have some. Combined, it's without measure, but individually we don't have it without measure like Jesus did. Do you understand? That's why none of us will ever have the magnitude of manifestations that Jesus had because he had it without measure in one human body. We are a billion human bodies and together we have it without measure. Can you follow that? Now listen to this statement. But that the whole church, okay, Okay. now Jesus said, not only was I anointed by the Holy Spirit to minister and have the Spirit without measure, as I had this, but I also had this, in other words, under the gifts, but I had this other phase of ministry or aspect of ministry other than the gifts, which he can't control, and neither can we. He said, the other aspect of my ministry was I was anointed with healing power. Now, for people to be healed this way, they have to have faith. Did you notice, Jesus said, did you notice that the woman with the issue of blood, I said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole? Did you notice that it said that there in Mark 6, 6, that I marveled at their unbelief? But you'll always manage to get a few people healed. When nothing else will work, this will work if they will simply believe. And then he said, now I want you, he's saying, dad, Hagan, I want you to notice that when, okay, let me just skip that part because that's not as important. He said at the bottom here, he said, I want you, he said, if you can get folks to believe that you are anointed with healing power as my minister, they will then receive from that anointing. And when you lay your hands on them, that anointing of healing power will flow from your hands into their body and will drive out their sicknesses or diseases and will affect a healing and a cure in them. Jesus was saying, if I could get the people in Nazareth to believe that I, because remember the Holy Ghost wasn't operating by gifts. So the only way to get them healed is to get them to believe. And he's trying to get them to believe. And the reason they won't believe is because they're familiar. And they said, but we know who you are. You're the carpenter's son. You can't be big. You can't be special. You can't be anointed of God. So they wouldn't believe in the anointing on his life. And he could do only little things. But he goes somewhere else where they don't know him. And he says... God's anointed me. Remember, he preached Isaiah 61 everywhere he went. God's anointed me to heal the sick and to cast out devils. And if you believe, let me tell you what happened over here. Let me tell you what happened over here. Let me tell you about that person that got raised from the dead. Now, if you can believe in the anointing on my life, that anointing will flow into you when I lay my hands on you. And people would say, I believe. And he'd lay hands and they'd get healed. And that's not the gifts. That's just them believing in the anointing of healing power on his life. And at other times, he'd go and the Holy Ghost would just say that one. And he'd go, You healed. They're healed. He walks off. No teaching, no preaching, no getting their faith up, no getting them to believe, no telling them, I'm anointed to help you. He didn't tell the man at the be pool of the best, I'm anointed to help you. He didn't preach anything to him. He just said, You up and walked off. Because when those gifts operate, it just goes in. And that person's healed they don't even hardly deserve it. They didn't release their faith They don't even half the time know what's going on but god targeted them for whatever reason god targeted them But the rest of us and the holy ghost is not putting for gifts There's a responsibility on us What is the responsibility? Believe that the person that's going to lay hands on you is anointed That there's an anointing to go into you call the elders when you come up to the altar on friday night What you are doing is you are calling You are saying, I initiate, I ask, I'm showing honor, I'm coming forward. You're not making me, I'm coming. Now, release the anointing on me. Lay hands on me in the name of the Lord. Transmit healing power. I release my faith that when you lay hands, healing will come into me and I will be well. Gifts or no gifts, I'm not leaving until I'm healed. Do you understand? And if the gifts operate, whoo, that's a bonus. And if the gifts don't operate, you'll still leave healed. But you've got to believe. Are you with me? So if you're watching and you're coming for healing for you or for your children or for anybody in your life that you're coming for healing for, really, you, you know, you come with a cloth, that's fine. But you're coming mainly for yourself or for your child. When you come, release your faith. Believe that the anointing of healing power is real. Believe that it will flow from me into you and believe that because you believe that power is real, it will heal you. If the Holy Ghost were to come on and just heal you quick as a gift, well, you're on your way laughing anyway. But you don't know if that's going to happen. You can't count on that happening. What you can count on is your faith. Now you don't even have to have me pray for you You can release your faith before you come You can release your faith in your seat. That's the prayer of faith to say I take it now yeah. But if you don't want to do that or you haven't done that or you're confused or whatever at least come up and say Just lay your hands on me That power will go into me and i'll be healed and I promise you that power will go into you and you will be healed Remember that witch sitting there on her deathbed ex-witch in india and she's dying of malaria and she's on her third day. She can't barely, she can't barely move. She's lying against the fence. She's been there all day in 130, degree weather. She's on the verge of death and I'm looking at her and I'm tired and I'm annoyed and I want to go home like I'm so carnal, but I'm just tired, Taylor. It's been a, man, 14 days, 14 hours, no food. I'm, I'm just, I'm exhausted. I'm sweating constantly, 120 degrees, 130 degrees in the jungle, man, that's hot. I'm just tired, man. I've been going all day. I'm looking at her and I'm trying to be compassionate, but she's just annoying me. Everything is annoying me. The pastor's annoying me. Everybody's annoying me. Just let me go to sleep. But then I changed because they're jabbering away in India. They were language. I said, what is going on? He says, she's been here. Three days ago, Jesus told her three pastors and a pastor's wife will come in three days. One will lay hands on you and you'll be healed. She's waited three days. She's on the verge of death. Took her whole day, 12 hours, crawling inch by inch because nobody will help her, because they hate her. Because she used to be the witch that killed people. Now she's the, now she's the Christian and they hate her even more. And she's set up against that gate and she's waiting. And thank God we came, because those tigers would have got her that night. There's wild tigers in that area. And she's on the other side of the gate. She can't defend herself and she's just waiting. And I look at her, and then I feel so bad that I've been so selfish about my own needs. And I said, "It's my sister, I said, I'm going to lay hands on you, and I'm going to pray for you. I said, Jesus sent me to you, and the power of God in, on the anointing in my life is going to heal you. And she, I said, I'm, can I lay my hands on you? And she said through the interpreter, no. I said, no, don't waste your whole hand. Just give me one finger. One finger will be enough to heal me. It's like that lady that said the crumbs. <laughs> I'm talking talk about faith. I mean, on the verge of death. Then she's saying, I'm not worthy for your whole hand. People in this church, they want the hands. They want the feet. They want the healing cloth. They want my jacket. They want they want this. They want that. They want everything. She says, I'm not going to waste your whole hand. Give me one finger <laughs> and so I put the one I put the one finger I said my I thought well let's do the on the index finger why not because that's what I preach with and I said sister according to me." and I just tapped her very lightly just on her forehead she's looking up like this and I just tapped her on her forehead boop like that and a lightning bolt came out of my hand I'm telling you it shocked me as much as it shocked her it went and I went oh like that and she it hit her and she instantaneously jump to her feet. She's on the verge of death and start screaming and shouting and dancing and dancing around the truck. And I'm dancing with her. I'm talking about like the energizer bunny. And she was comatose at the verge of death. Couldn't even stand up for me to pray for her instant. See, see, that's somebody with faith, Greg. That's somebody that says, I believe one finger is enough for me. So I'm just saying when you come and you're coming for these healing services, the anointing is stronger in my life than it was then. It's not that I have diminished. It's the faith of the people have diminished. My anointing is stronger than it was then. I've learned more. I've sought God harder. I've yielded to him more. It's it's available. But you don't need the feet, the coat, the hand, the hair. You just, you don't need all that. You need one finger. If you can just get your faith to the point. I just need one finger, one finger, one crumb will heal me. Pastor, just lay hands on me real quick. You don't have to wait. Just one finger will heal. When you get kind of to that place, I'm telling you, you will never go home disappointed. Praise God. Hallelujah. They can work for an ex-witch in India, in the jungles. It can work for you. Praise God. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you in the precious name of Jesus for these people. You said prep them for Friday night, son. And I know, Father, in some ways the people watching are just as maybe even more important that they are prepped than even the ones here. I just have a sense of that, that there's some watching. They couldn't come for whatever reason, but it's imperative that they understand how this healing flow operates so they can come ready, their hearts prepared, and them ready to receive the healing power of God on Friday night. Father, whether it's a small ailment or a life-threatening ailment, no matter what the problem is, if they'll call, If they'll say, yes, I come to the front, I come to the altar, I respond to the healing call. I'm calling upon the the man of God to pray for me. Whether they're congregation members or not, whether they're Christians or not, it doesn't matter. That anointing of healing power will flow and will heal them. Jesus, you've anointed me with a special healing anointing. You told me this many years ago. Dr. Dufresne confirmed it multiple times. Pastor Nancy has confirmed it multiple times. Reverend Randy and others have confirmed it multiple times. I've seen the manifestation and the fruit of it over many years. There is a special healing anointing that I didn't ask for it, but you gave it to me. It's in my right hand. It comes with heat many times as a sign and a wonder to me that it's present. And Lord, you said to me Friday night, there will be many healings. There will be much power demonstrated on Friday night. So, Lord, you said prep him tonight and I've prepped them that if they're part of my congregation and you prompt me, even though the flow is different, I can pray the prayer of faith for my own sheep. But, Lord, the flow for Friday night is not really the, the prayer of faith flow. It is, it is the impartation. It is the transmission of the anointing of healing power. And, Father, that is what we're going to flow in. And that is what happened to that lady there in India. And that is what I've seen happen all over the world. And if they will just simply believe in that anointing that you put on my life, like the Mark 6 people refused to believe it on Jesus, but the many other villages he went to were glad to believe it, and you did mighty works wherever they believed. Let mighty works be wrought in this house on Friday night, Father. Let the people come believing. My anointing has not diminished, Father. It has increased. But the believing of the people, unlike that ex-witch, in many cases has diminished. Let them meditate on this for the next 48 hours. Let them prepare their hearts. Let them say out of their mouth, like the woman with the issue of blood, If I can but touch, if contact can be made, I shall be healed. When he lays hands on me, the power of Jesus will go into me and I will be healed of my affliction. Let them start to confess like the woman with the issue of blood. Let them start to believe long before the service starts. Let them prepare their hearts for healing. And Father, I thank you that when they come and they do their part, I'll do my part and Father, your power will do its part and they will receive what they've come for. In Jesus' precious and mighty name I pray, and I thank you, and I praise you. And everybody said, amen.